All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second ever episode of the Between the Glass podcast. I'm your host, Femi Akaloy, and today, unfortunately, I will not be having my co-host, uh, Ian, with me. Uh, so it is just me today, and uh, we didn't touch on it in the last episode, but I wanted to start off with the whole Tim Peel referee incident. If you didn't know, uh, referee Tim Peel was caught on Hawkmont. Hot Mike, Hot Mike, uh, saying some things he probably shouldn't have said, and uh, I have the clip right here. And uh, just give me a sec; I will play the clip for you guys. It's it's quite the clip. Um, this is it's really it doesn't sound like much. Uh, it does not sound like much, but the clip it's really really bad, and it could could have major, major ramifications for the National Hockey League if, if, they, if they're not careful. Um, and here is the clip. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early in the... That was Tim Peel saying it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a bleeped penalty against Nashville early in the period. And may, some of you may say, you know, what's the big deal with that, blah, blah, blah. What Tim Peel is admitting is that he, he made a bad call. He called a penalty, probably shouldn't have called in the first period. So what he decided to do is, you know, I'm going to make a call, make a call. So he's going to call a penalty against Nashville because he gave Detroit a bad penalty. So he's admitting he called a penalty that was not a penalty. That, that you're basically ruining the game by doing that. Like, put it this way, right? Let's say I go out, I drive my mom's car, and I crash my mom's car, right? But, you know, just, just so it's fair, I grab my dad's car and I crash my dad's car. That's, that's what it sounds like. That's how it is. That's unacceptable. And this is not, like, new information. We fans already knew that there's makeup calls. There is makeup calls. If you watch games, this is why. If you look at how many penalties each team gets in every game, they're so close because you don't want one team getting more penalties than the other. Guys, be realistic here. Some teams are going to get more penalties because of the way they play. The Bruins are going to get more penalties than the Toronto Maple Leafs because of the way they play. Right? But the NHL doesn't want that. There is makeup penalties. That is, it's called game management. This is how the NHL wants you to call the game. And you notice how in the playoffs, you know, they swallow their whistles, blah, blah, blah. For me, all I want is consistency. All I want is consistency. And before I continue, Tim Peel, Tim Peel is not a rogue agent, right? Every ref does this. Tim Peel is just the scapegoat, and it sucks for Tim Peel. The NHL didn't fire him. They just said he's not working any more games for the rest of the season. He's still going to get paid, still going to get his pension, but he will not be working any games. He was set to retire at the end of the season, which sucks for him that he won't get to ref his final game. Uh, It's pretty unfortunate. But what I want from the officials is consistency, right? Because it's enough with this stuff is, you know, this penalty in the first won't be a penalty in the third. No. If it's a penalty in the first, it's a penalty in the second, it's a penalty in the third period, it's a penalty in overtime. You need to be consistent. You can, refs are going to call the game differently. And I understand that because 
the NHL, the rule book, it's black and white, or it's not all black and white, right? There's some gray area, some rules up for interpretation. But as a referee, all I want is that you are consistent. I know what I'm getting out of this referee. If I take that, if I take a hooking penalty in the first period, it's going to be a hooking penalty in the third period. I don't care about situational blah, blah. If it's a penalty, call it. If it's a penalty, call it. Enough with this, oh, let them play. No, call the rule book. Call the rule book. Be consistent. You have a rule book for a reason. Call it. Call the rule book. If it's a 50-50 call, call the penalty. If it's a 50-50 call, call the penalty. We, we just have to stop with this game management makeup calls because for the business side of the game, this affects stuff like sports betting and gambling because if better see that your games might not be legitimate, if the referees are interfering with the game, guess what? You're not getting that revenue. People aren't going to bet on your games. That's a big loss of revenue, especially a pandemic world. You need all the money you can get. You can't, you can't be messing with the integrity of the game. That's unacceptable. You can't be doing that. You have to, you have to make, let your fans know that we are not messing with the game. This is how we're going to call the game, et cetera, et cetera. Because let's be real here. We're, referees are not robots. They obviously, they're going to see some things different lenses. You just got to be consistent with it. You just have to be consistent with it. Just got to see. Is that a penalty in the first? That's a penalty in the second. That's a penalty in the third. That's a penalty in overtime. You got to make that clear to the players, to the fans. You have to make that clear. That is what that the NHL has a lot to do in that area. I hope this change. I don't know if this is going to change anything. The NHL has to change though. If they do, if they want people to continue betting on their games, betting on the amount of penalties there's going to be. Like the penalty should not be equal every game. It should not be. 4-4 penalty split or 5-4. You know, some teams are going to take more penalties than other teams, and you have to accept that fact. And as a fan, you have to accept, no, the referees are not out to get you. Your team, it's just the nature of how your team plays, right? Your team is probably going to take more penalties than some other teams because of how they play. Maybe your team is more physical, bruising team, like the... 2011 Boston Bruins, you're going to take more penalties because of the way you play versus, let's say, the last year's or even this year's, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs, a more skilled team. They probably won't take as penalties because they're more soft scale. You know, they kill you with their power play. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll end it there. But all I want as a fan is consistency. That's all I'm asking for. It shouldn't be that hard. Just be consistent, please. Moving on to uh next topic, we actually had a we had our first first of two trades. Um, the Montreal Canadiens going out and acquiring Eric Stahl for a third round pick this year and a fifth round pick this year. Uh, Eric Stahl has 10 points in 32 games, 32 games. Uh, it's it was not a great year for Eric Stahl in Buffalo. Um, it was just Nothing went right in Buffalo. Um, it was a really tough, tough year for Stahl. Uh, tough 32 games for Stahl in Buffalo. 
but he put up 47 points in 66 games last year. Like, Stahl is not washed. He's still a good player. But, like, I always like to say, who goes to Buffalo and gets better or, you know, usually stays good? Like, no one goes to Buffalo and, you know, usually keeps up that level of play, right? Like, you could, there's plenty of examples. Brandon Montour, uh, Colin Miller, Hal Taylor Hall. <laughs> I'm like, there's just a laundry list of players that go to Buffalo and just are not good, right? Um, for Montreal, uh, we were talking about on the last podcast how they need center depth. Maybe go out and get like a Luke Lendenning or a Brad Richardson. This is perfect for them. This is perfect. Why get a four C while you can get, or when you can get a three C? This is great if you're a Canadians fan. This is great because you have like four, five capable NHL centers, right? You got Jake Evans, who is, he's a fourth, he's sort of a 13th forward. He can play center though. You've got Jake Evans, you got Eric Stahl, yes, Perry Kakanyemi. Nick Suzuki, you got Eric Stahl now. Unless I already counted Eric Stahl, maybe I miscounted, but you got at least five centers. All right, miscounted. Yeah, Philip Deneau, sorry. Um, you got those centers. You have the depth. You can never have too many centers. And this, this is a great, great trade because once when you have so many good NHL quality players, so much depth, it really pushes everybody because if you're not playing well you know you're going to get bumped down you know someone is waiting to take your job jumping at the bit to take your job so your team is playing well everyone should be playing well because if you if a player's not playing well guess what bud you're getting bumped down or you're getting taken out of the lineup if paul byron isn't playing well guess what buddy michael freak's gonna hop in there take your spot or terry leckland's gonna hop in there take your spot Jake Evans isn't playing well. Guess what, buddy? Arturi, or not Arturi Lekkinen. Eric Stahl will take your spot. Laurent Dauphin, or Laurent Dauphin will take your spot. Like, it forces you to be at your best. you got to be working. you got to be giving it your all. Because if you aren't, guess what? You're out of here. You are out of here. That's, that's a really good move for Montreal. That is a really, really good move for Montreal. This shows that they're serious. It shows that they're serious about contending for the cup. And you know what I find funny is that the day before this trade was announced on Friday, Mark Bergen was already saying, oh, no, we're not going to be making any trades. You know, we're tight to the cap. When Mark Bergen speaks, you might as well just disregard him. You know he, you know he's lying, bro. You know he's lying. It's just funny to me that the day before he makes that trade, Mark Bergen just loves to mess with the media, doesn't he? And – uh Sorry, I'll get back on topic, but people are going to point to Eric Saul this year and say third and a fifth is a steep price for Eric Saul. And I get that, but let's be real here. Um, this is Buffalo. Nobody was playing well in Buffalo. He gets the opportunity to come to Montreal, play with some good players, get a chance to compete for the cup. This is a good move. And the Canadians still have two fifths and two thirds this year. So this, if this doesn't work, oh, well, you still have these picks. They still have 12 picks this year, which is great. Great for Montreal. You can still go. There's probably going to be another move to uh, make cap to uh, make cap space. 
uh, because right now they have Paul Byron on the taxi squad, whose cap it is 3.5 mil. So they do need to clear a little bit of salary. Um, so maybe Armia, maybe Byron, or maybe Lekin will probably be traded. Probably, I'm not saying certain, but expect some corresponding moves um, from the Montreal Canadiens. Moving on, Colorado Avalanche. But that's it. That's that's the statement. The Colorado Avalanche. You know, they got off to a bit of a tough start. Um, they've had some injuries. This is a team that I swear there's no better duo than Colorado Avalanche and injuries. They're always having injuries, but they have been unreal this season. And I think they've got to be the favorite to come out of the Western Conference. They've got to be the favorite. They have to be because, well, I guess, yeah, come out of the West Division because, um, man, let me, let me just read you their stats, right? They're second in the league at goals at 3.42 goals per game. They're first in the league in shots at 35 shots per game. Uh, they are Their power play is 23.1%, which is tied for 13th. That power play, expect that power play to go up. Expect that power play to go up because of their injuries. They've had some injuries. Shooting percentage, 9.8%, tied for 13th, doesn't really matter. Face-off percentage, fifth at 52.5%. That offense is really good. Those are really good offensive stats. Now listen to these defensive stats. Goals allowed, their first, 2.24 goals allowed per game. Shots allowed, guess what? First again, 25.2 shots allowed per game. Penalty kill, guess what? They're second. Their penalty kill is clicking at 87%. All around, this team is a juggernaut. This team is a juggernaut. Let's declare the Colorado Avalanche a juggernaut. They have to be the favorite. I, I say they're the favorite to win the Cup. I say they're the favorite to win the Cup. Just look at this team. is just so good. Sam Gerrard, Kale McCarr, Devontae's. That is a big three, and that's on defense. That is on defense. Phil Grubauer in net, he's got to be a Vesna candidate if not the favorite. Up front, you still got Rantanen, McKinnon, Landeskog, Kadri, Burakovsky. This is a team that at every position you can point to stars, superstars, elite players, elite talent at all of these positions. Just look at this team. This is a team that is built for playoff success. They have a good, a good, a very superstar level goalie who's playing like a superstar right now in Philip Grubauer. They have three really good defensemen, three playing like elite defensemen in Kale McCarr and Devontae's and Samuel Gerard. They do have a bit of everybody else say, and the rest are nobodies. Not really, uh, but they do have some injuries, and uh, they've had to throw in a couple people who you've probably never heard of, and uh, <laughs> Jacob Middleton and and whatnot. But at, up front, there's they've got Nathan McKinnon, who people forgot. This guy is amazing. Everyone's talking about Matthews and McDavid and and Drysaitel, but but guess what? 
Are, are we forgetting about Nathan McKinnon? How about Miko Rantanen? How about Gabriel Landskog and Nassim Kadri? This team is loaded. They have to be the favorite, in my opinion. They have to be the favorite. I don't think there's a team. Tampa Bay, there's Tampa Bay. You could throw Carolina, Vegas, Islanders, maybe Toronto. But, man, this team is loaded. Uh, And let's move on. The LA Kings acquired Brendan Lemieux from the uh, New York Rangers in exchange for a 2021 fourth round pick. Um, And this trade, it's a, it's a pretty balanced trade. Um, The Rangers uh, made this trade to make room for Vitaly Kravitsov. Uh, They needed that roster, that roster, that roster spot. And they were able to get a fourth round pick with, I think is a bit of steel for Brendan Lemieux. He's a good player. I'm not sure he's a fourth not sure he warrants a fourth round pick type return, but uh, it's a good player. And for LA, this shows that you know they're serious here. Like they want to make the playoffs. They're serious. Uh, it's not earth shattering by any means, but it's a pretty good trade. Uh, a pretty solid trade if you're a Kings fan. You know he provides some sandpaper, some grittiness, um, and he's a guy who's built for built for playoff hockey. Uh, declaring any winners or losers. I declare the Rangers the winner here. I mean, they got a fourth-round pick, and they still have, you know, NHL-level players. But, you know, the Kings got Kings got a good player. He's a good player. He is a good player, and he'll fit in nicely. L.A. Kings team, Drew Doughty and, and Dustin Brown, et cetera. Uh, he'll fit in quite nicely there. Uh, I guess I never declared a winner in the Eric Stahl trade. And to be honest, I don't know if there is a winner. Not yet. We, we have to see how Eric Stahl plays in Montreal. Um, but for Buffalo, you got to get picks. You know, you got to get, you got to get, what do they call it? Throws at the dartboard. You got to get things to toss the dartboard. I don't know what they're called. I can't remember. But you got to get as many picks as you can because this is the year where. There's not much scouting, right? It's hard to scout these players, you know. So it's great to get some picks because you might be able to hit maybe a fifth round pick because the best player in this draft, right? So you gotta get some uh you gotta get some picks. And man, they have to do a better job of drafting too. My goodness. Uh if they're gonna if you're gonna get those picks, you better draft well. Jesus. Uh moving on to uh another big story. Cole Caulfield signing. His entry-level deal with the Montreal Canadiens, which means he will burn the first year of his deal this season. Cole Caulfield had one of the best calls seasons of the 21st century. This man was on another level. Cole Caulfield, lock for the Hobie Baker. This man, just give the Hobie to him right now. He is fully deserving the Hobie Baker. 30 goals in 31 games. He had 52 points in 31 games leading the NCAA, that includes him leaving for the World Juniors for a couple weeks. Like, this man was on another level in the NCAA. He was making everybody look silly. Everybody looks silly. And all these people, oh, they were doubting him, this and that. Look at him now. Look at him. 
Cole Caulfield, Hobie Baker. Look at Cole Caulfield right now. Hobie Baker. Might as well give it to him right now. Uh, so the Canadians are assigning him to the Laval Rockets. Uh, he'll report to Laval. Uh, he does have to serve the seven-day quarantine. Um, that, oh, we got, we're going to talk about that. Uh, he does have to serve his quarantine, and then he'll be able to join the team. Just because he's being assigned to Laval right now, however, does not mean uh, he will be sticking in Laval for a long time, or even doesn't even mean he'll play a game there. But, you know, they have to, they can't put him on Montreal. They can't put him on the roster right now because uh, they don't have enough cap space uh, to afford his cap hit. So he's going down to Laval. Um, like I said, the Canadians are probably going to make a corresponding move to clear cap space. And then maybe we'll see Cole Caulfield called up, but I wouldn't be surprised Surprised if Cole Caulfield does stay down, you know, play some AHL games just to get used to the pro game um, because the AHL is different from the NCAA, right? Pro hockey is, is different. Um, all right, guys, sorry, there's a little pause there. Um, I paused it for a second, so I don't exactly remember. Um, I believe I was talking about Cole Caulfield. Uh, that is pretty much all I can recall what I was saying. But uh, let me just, uh, let's just move on. Uh, Cole Caulfield, that's a great signing for Montreal. So if you're Montreal, you're now adding Eric Stahl and you're adding Cole Caulfield. That is that's pretty dang good. That is pretty dang good. Uh, let's move on. Uh, the NHL, just before I started recording, released uh, a new updated schedule for the North Division because we all know the Montreal Canadiens had uh, some of their games postponed. Uh, so they have updated the schedule. And it uh, reads as follows. I'll just scroll through them, or I'll just read all of them. Um, game 498, Edmonton at Montreal, scheduled for March 22nd, is now scheduled for March 30th at 7 p.m., which is this Tuesday. Um, I guess it, do it does affect some of the other divisions. It uh, looks like I'll just stick to the north. Uh, game 686, Calgary at Montreal, scheduled for April 16th. At 7 p.m., we'll now start at 6 p.m., uh, yada, yada, yada. So there are some schedule updates. This does mean that the North Division season will run uh, a little past the original uh, starting date due to the fact that, you know, the Canadians are already scheduled to play every other day, right? So they would only have one day off in between games. So it's so hard. You can't play three straight in a row or three in a row. I believe, I believe there's something in the CBA that doesn't allow that, but the NHL just doesn't do that. So uh, there's no three games in a row. So that's why they're sort of tacking on games at the end of the season, which is why the NHL, when they originally released the schedule, they were sort of a seven to 10 day window. Uh, so that if there's any postponements or, or something that uh, they would be able to, you know, tack them on at the end of the season, uh, which is pretty smart if you uh, if you ask me. Um, let's move on. I talked about it earlier in the show, but the uh, Canadian government has reduced the quarantine from 14 days to seven, which is a huge, huge deal. Uh, Eric Stahl literally said this is part of the reason why he waived his uh, no trade clause or no move clause to come to Montreal because 
the 14 day quarantine sitting in your sitting in your room for 14 days. They said that was too much. Now, like if that didn't happen, Montreal isn't sitting with Eric Stahl. Maybe Eric Stahl doesn't head, doesn't get traded or or something, uh, doesn't get traded anywhere. And uh, this is very key for Canadian teams that are looking to add at the deadline because if you wanted to add with to get the 14 day quarantine over with quickly uh, before the trade deadline, so you can actually have your players for some games before the season ends, you probably have to make those trades like right now, like between yesterday, Saturday, and March 20, yeah, yesterday was March 27th and like March 30th. Like you would have to make your trades right now because the trade deadline is on March 12th. So now if you're a Canadian team, you still have that flexibility where if your player misses a week, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world, right? It's only one week. Every game does matter, but it is only one week. Whereas two weeks, that's a lot of games, especially if your team playing every other day, playing with back-to-backs, et cetera, playing three games and four nights. Those are a lot of games that you're missing. And how long are you going to have that player for that? How, uh, so, uh, it's really, really important and really key. The NHL was able to get these players uh, across the border. Only have a seventy seven day quarantine, so this applies to all NHL players. So it does apply to Cole Caulfield coming from uh, University of Mis- University of Wisconsin, uh, which is very, 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 very key. Uh, and this will probably affect how the trade deadline goes because, like, I mean, I was saying like, a team like Winnipeg would pro would was hesitating to, or would hesitate to do trades again because, you know, they went through the Pierre-Luc Dubois and Jack Roslovic for, no, it was Jack Roslovic and Pierre-Luc, or Patrick Lani for uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. They went through that whole quarantine, and I'm guessing they weren't a fan of it. Uh, They were not a fan of the whole uh, quarantine, and Dubois actually got hurt after that, or immediately after, uh, I believe play his first or second game, and the Jets did say that the quarantine uh, played a part in that. So you don't want your guys just sitting down for two weeks, not playing any games. So now a team like Winnipeg, who I sort of painted as this wild card, uh, the deadline, they they probably will look to add now because you don't have to deal with that quarantine. Um, and it's it's pretty big. It's a pretty big deal. It's. Very, very, very good. If you're a team like Ottawa or, you know, an American team that's looking to sell off assets, right? You know, you want to have the option to be able to trade to those Canadian teams without Canadian teams like, you know, trade right now, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Yeah, uh, let's move on. Uh, I want to give a little shout out to the Boston Pride of the NWHL for winning uh, give them a little congrats for winning the Isabel Cup with a thrilling 4-3 win over the Minnesota Ice Caps or White Caps. I was thinking soccer. Um, a big win for them. Um, another another Isabel Cup for the for the Boston Pride. Uh, obviously, the NWHL they started their bubble uh, like a month ago, and then they couldn't finish it because of COVID. So they. They came back for the semifinals and finals, which, you know, it's really good to see, you know, women's hockey starting to get more attention. And it's just really good. It's really good for, for the sport to hockey uh, and for the game. Really happy for all the girls, uh, all the women that were able to participate. 
it sucks that, you know, they couldn't finish it earlier, right? You know, you, you don't want to, you know, play, get to the semifinals and then not play again for like a month. You know, that's, that's obviously a long period of time. But uh, once again, congrats to Boston Pride um, for winning the Isabel Cup. Big shout out to them. Shout out to the Toronto Six uh, for making it to the semifinals as a Canadian. You know, we were rooting for them. They unfortunately lost in the semifinals. But um, we're, we're happy that you were able to get to the semifinals, at the very least. Uh, very, very, very good job. Uh, I wanted to bring up, um, quickly before we bring in a new segment, uh, I wanted to bring up the, uh, this post uh, that I saw on Instagram by Sportsnet. Um, it, was, uh, it was some mock trades that they posted from I believe it was followers admitted. If it, if it wasn't, then uh, that is pretty it's pretty bad because holy god, these were some terrible. Oh my god, terrible! Like I can't describe how atrocious uh, these mock trades these mock trades were. Like they were bad. They were bad. Like I I do not understand this at all. So the first one is. Um, I don't know if it, I don't think it's followers submitted, but it says Ryan Dixon's five NHL mock trades or mock deadline moves or whatever. I don't like these. I don't like these at all. I think they're like hot, hot takes or whatever. So the first one is Connor Garland to Toronto uh, for uh, Rodion Miroff, Nick Abruzzi. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, Nick Abruzzi. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry. And a 2021 second round pick. I'm sorry, this is a terrible trade. If you're Toronto, how are you going to sign this man? Right, he's an RFA, and he's going to get he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. So how are you signing this man? How are you signing this? That you can't get a rental as an RFA. You're not going to get a rental as an RFA. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you do with this trade. Um, as for the asking price, okay. I don't think it's very enticing. I'm not a big fan. Rodion Amirov is a good player. I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of him. Uh, you'd probably have to throw in another piece, uh, maybe like uh, Semyon Dur Argusinchev or uh, Mikhail Abramov, something like that. You got to throw in some more. Uh, I don't think that's enough. The second one is just gets worse. Matt Duchesne to Columbus for Liam Foodie and Gustav Nyquist. Um, first off, you know, it's Duchesne's making a lot of money, right? He's making a lot of money. I'm not sure Columbus would want to take on that contract. I don't know if Duchesne would want to come back to Columbus. Uh, second off, for Liam Foody and Gustav Nyquist, I uh, I don't like that return. If you're Nashville, Liam Foody is a good player. He's got he's got good potential, but Gustav Nyquist, I don't I don't really see it there. So, uh, I I this is like these are terrible. Yeah, these these are terrible. Uh, that just gets worse. Uh, actually, this one isn't even too bad. It's not bad. It's not great. Uh, Taylor Hall to Boston for Jake DeBrusque, Jack Studnika, and a 2022 first round pick. This one is probably the most realistic one we're getting uh, out of these five. It's it's a decent trade. Uh, it's a realistic one. I'll, I'll give them that. It's a realistic one. Uh, Taylor Hall in Boston. They've been linked together. 
um, for a while now because Boston does need some 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 scoring. And uh, Jake DeBrusque, you know, he's been having a tough year. He's still got potential. Uh, Jack Stadnika, he's a good prospect. And a first, I think that's a fair price to pay. Um, that's probably the best one. That's probably the most realistic one as well. And then uh, the next one, I don't understand. Like, this one just made me just shoot my brains, shoot myself. Like, what the hell is this? Uh, two to Islanders is Kyle Palmieri. Two New Jersey's Kiefer Bellows. Like, what the, what is this? What is this? Please explain. No, we're not, you're not doing a one for one. This is not happening. New Jersey's not accepting this. Kyle Palmieri is a good player. He's not had the best season, but he's still a good player. You're not getting up. Kiefer Bellows is not enough. If you're going to do it, at least make like a more enticing package. So at least go like maybe second or, or whatever, you know, like make the package, not a one for one. You're not trading an NHL player for a prospect one for one. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you're a GM, I advise you don't do that. I'm not a fan of that at all. Uh, that's, that's not a good one at all. Uh, this one, I don't know what this is. I really don't understand this. Uh, to Winnipeg, Ryan Ellis. To Nashville, Cole Perfetti. Matthew Perot, 2022, uh, 2022 third-round pick. Um, where do I start? Cole Perfetti, great player. Great player. Great. He's got potential. Dude is just brimming with potential. What the hell is the rest of this? Matthew Perot and a 2022 third? What is this? What is this? This is terrible. This is awful. This is so bad. Like, why? Why would Nashville do this? Why would Nashville? You heard their asking price for Echo. First round pick, elite prospect, and more. I see the elite prospect. I don't see the first. I don't see Matthew Perot is not more. Like, what is this? What is, like, if you don't want to give up the first round pick, then give up, like, Vili Hanola or Logan Stanley or Christian Veselainen. This is not enough. What is this? What is this? It's, it's so, it just, so I had to bring it up because it was, oh, 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 I nearly shot myself. And this was posted by Sportsnet. Oh, my God. It was, it was, it was bad. Oh, it's bad. It is really bad. Oh, boy. Um, so before we wrap up the show, uh, introducing a new segment, uh, You Ask, We Answer, where you guys, uh, I posted on social media, I posted on our Instagram account, our Twitter account, and our TikTok. Uh, any questions, any hockey-related questions you would like asked, or asked, asked uh, I, and when he's here, my co-host Ian will answer uh, your questions, and uh, we'll start off with uh, a question from at Carrie Price EASHL on Instagram, and he says he asks, "Is it time we realize that Patrick Liney isn't what we think he is?" And I find this interesting. Um, I'm not ready to write him off yet. He still has so much potential and everything, but man, oh man, he's a frustrating player. Like I have, I'm a really, I was really big Patrick Liney fan. I still am big Patrick Liney fan. 
I'm a huge guy. When the Patrick Line and uh, Jack Osselick for Pierre Dubois and a third trade happened, I was like, man, you know, I feel like Winnipeg, I feel like they lost this one, right? That's what I thought at the time, at least. And, uh, man, Dubois has just not been it. Or Dubois. Line is just, he's like one goal in his last 15 games, something like that, right? And it coincides with Columbus being bad. Like, they just lost again to the Red Wings. Like, they are falling out of the playoffs fast. Um, I don't. So uh, to answer your question, I don't know if we write him off yet. I don't think he's a future 50 goal scorer. I don't know if he's ever going to reach that. He needs to be more consistent. The talent is clearly there. Um, he just needs to be more consistent, man. Like, you can't be going through these – you know, you score, what is it, 10 points or whatever. You score 11 points in five games, and then you don't. You score one goal in, like, 20 games. Like, you can't be doing this. Got to be more consistent, right? Like, you got to be more consistent. Like, I'd rather have somebody who I know what they're, I'm going to expect. He's going to be this consistent, blah, 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 than somebody who could score, you know, four goals in a game and then just go pointless in 20. You know what I mean? So... Uh, to answer your question, again, uh, you're half right, I guess. Not writing him off, but maybe I think I think it's time we start to realize maybe he's not what we thought he is. He's still young, though. Thing is, not fully writing him off. I I'm not fully do not uh, do not call me on this, but I'm not I'm not fully writing him off. He's like 22, still has potential, still has time, but. I really, I'm starting to get worried. I'm starting to get worried. Um, another question from on Instagram from at Toby.venue uh, says, will the Penguins take the cup? No. Maybe. Pittsburgh's an interesting team. Um, they, I don't want to write off a team that has Sidney Crosby on. I really don't. I don't know if I see them beating like the Islanders or or the Capitals, you know, because they would have, they have to get out of their own division first, right? So I don't know if they can probably beat Boston if they have to, but I don't think they can beat Washington or the Islanders. And if you can't beat either one of those two teams, you're not getting out of your division. So you're not going to be <laughs> making it to the conference finals. So you're not going to be making it to the Stanley Cup finals. So you're not going to be winning the Stanley Cup, right? Um. But uh, they're, they're, they're there. They are there. Um, I'm, not worried, I'm not writing them off. This is a team that's led by Sidney Crosby, really good. They are really good. They do have injuries. But I'm just not sure they're on the level of the Islanders or the Capitals. And even if you get to the conference finals, are you going to be able to beat the team from the North Division, the Jets, the Leafs, the – the Habs, the Oilers, maybe, but you I don't know if you will be able to. I, I think people are sleeping on the North Division a little bit. It's still a really good division. Um, so the next question comes from Blazers, sorry, Blazers underscore elite. And he says, what moves should the Jets make? Um, thanks for the question again. And thanks, Toby.venue for the question. Uh, to answer your question, the Jets, they need a defenseman. 
Uh, I think they need another defenseman. Uh, I would say they should be in on that comb, but with the Preds sort of hopping right back into the playoff hunt, I don't know if they uh, if Nashville would trade at home. Um, I think they should be uh, they should be in on David Savard from Columbus because uh, Columbus is really falling out of it. They could probably hop right back in, but um, they've fallen out of it a little bit, so I don't think they would hesitate to move some of their players. Uh, David Savard's a good defenseman. If you may, if you get David Savard, I think you're you're really improving your team, really improving uh, your blue line because that's their biggest weakness right now. Um, and Blazers dot or Blazers elite asked another question: um, What team should go into f- into a full rebuild? Uh, it's another good question. Into a full rebuild. Um, you know, there's a couple teams out there. Uh, I think the Coyotes are one. I really don't know what they're doing. I, I honestly don't. I don't know if they're trying to contend or what are they doing. Uh, I think they're trying to make the playoffs, but I really don't know. I definitely think they got to embrace the rebuilds. Like, look at if you look at their core, it's just not good enough, right? It's it's really not. It's not good enough. Let's be real here. It's not good enough. Uh, I get you want to win, maybe try to get one more push with OEL as he's entering his 30s. He's going to start entering his 30s now, but I think you just got to admit it's probably probably time to embrace another rebuild, another rebuild in Arizona Um, because I don't know if I – they're young pieces. I don't know how I like them. Got, like, no picks as well. Like – they don't, they don't have a pick to the fourth round this year, I, I think, this year. I know they don't have their first. I do know that. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think the Coyotes are one team. Nah. Nashville, maybe, probably, probably. Uh, bigger picture, they should probably look into a full rebuild because they don't have uh, – they just don't have the talent. They don't have the talent anymore. They don't have any young pieces, really, any good young pieces. Uh, they drafted Jaroslav Skarov, who's going to be a really good goalie, people think. Uh, I'm not sure I agree. He's, he's got potential. Not going to get into that, though. Uh, Skarov, uh, they have Philip Tomasino. They have Ellie Tolvin in. They do have Dante Fabro. Um, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. And their their core is aging. I think they gotta embrace it. Like, if you look at their team on paper, is that a team that could win the Stanley Cup? No, no. So they gotta they gotta tear it down. They gotta restart. Um, I don't know if there's any other teams really. Like those are the two teams I had in mind. I had Columbus, uh, in mind. Calgary definitely. Calgary, they gotta embrace the rebuild. I think they do. I know they just won, but man, I'm not sure if I, I don't like that core. Like how like let's be real. Like they like were saying, oh, Calgary doesn't make the playoffs, isn't that if Calgary makes the playoffs, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna beat Toronto? Are they gonna beat Edmonton? Are they gonna beat or beat the Jets? No, no, I don't believe that at all. They're not beating anybody if they make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs. So they gotta embrace the rebuild. They have to, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Columbus is sort of a sneaky one. They're 
I sort of look at them as the Tennessee Titans of the NHL. The Tennessee Titans, I call them, there's no better deal than the Titans and being nine and seven, not this year at least, but they're always like nine and seven or something like that, right? So that's why that's how I view Columbus. Like they're always like a wild card team. They're never going to be like top three in the division. They're never going to be, you know, the big favorites. You know, they advanced past the first round uh, like once. Uh, that's when they swept Tampa. Uh, they definitely need to consider it, especially with how the season's going. Uh, move on from torts. I think it's time. I think that ship has sailed. Um, and just got to go a different direction because it just has, it hasn't worked. You know, we haven't had playoff success, right? You've made the playoffs. Good job. Where's the success? So, uh, those are the teams. Um, yeah, I think those are the only teams I'm really thinking or that really come to my mind. Um, thanks for the good questions from Instagram. Uh, gonna head to TikTok. Uh, gonna enter TikTok. We didn't get anything from Twitter, unfortunately. But uh, from our TikTok, um, number one mellow fan commented, who do the Leafs go after now that Eric Stahl is gone? And that's this is a good question because uh, – on the last show, we said the Leafs should probably be targeting uh, Eric Stahl, you know, to fill. You could play wing, you could play center. Uh, Alex, Alex Iafalo, uh, they should probably still, I think they should be in on him. I don't know if they'll, I don't know if they are. This shows what I think. Um, man, like Mikhail Gralin, maybe like Eric Stahl was sort of the big center. Uh, there's not, there's not a ton out there, if I'm being honest. There isn't a ton out there. I'm not sure the Leafs really need to make any big moves, honestly, though. Like, this is a team that looks pretty good on paper. Like, the, if they don't make any moves in the deadline, I, I'd still call them a contender, I guess. They do need some defense depth, I'll say that. They do need some depth uh, defensively. But honestly, you know, if – any targets? Who should they go after? Maybe someone like Matt Benning from Nashville, as if you're looking for a defenseman, it's pretty cheap, one mil. Uh, Alex Iafalo, uh, not Connor Garland. And you go after Garland if you're able to resign him, but I don't. I don't believe they'll be able to resign him because you know you probably won't have the cap space too. But I don't know. Like, there's not a ton out there. That's the thing. That's the big issue. It's not like there's a ton of big forwards or that are available. It might. It's probably going to be a trade deadline. It's not going to be big. It's not going to be like the NBA deadline. My God, I was. I was like, I uh, have Adrian Wojnarowski's uh, notifications on for Twitter. And my God, my phone was just blowing up. This trade and that trade and this trade and. It was just crazy. Oh, my God. Uh, the, NBA, the NBA is something else. It's something else, my God. Um, but, yeah, there's not a ton out there. Ryan Dezingle, uh, he's another piece. Someone just came to my mind. He's someone the Leafs should probably look after or look after, uh, look into. Um, but, yeah, uh, from at Roy's Jersey. 
on uh, TikTok, are the Jets Cup contenders? If they get another defenseman, yes. Right now, well, Cup contenders. Do I put them in the same tiers, the Avalanche and the Lightning and the and the Golden Knights and right now the Hurricanes and like the Capitals? I guess probably uh, no. No. Uh, if they get a defenseman, depends who they get, but they're pretty close if they get a defenseman. They're pretty close. Uh, they definitely have the scoring. They got Connor Hellebuck, best goal in the league. Um, and they just need the defense. They just need like one or two more defensemen. For them, uh, maybe Matt Benning, I guess. I've been throwing his name out there. I don't know how much he moves the needle, though. I definitely think you got to go out, make get an impact defenseman. David Savard, David Savard. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Uh, if they get a defenseman, they are cup contenders. Or pretty close. Not cup contenders, pretty close to it, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the next question, and the last question I have, is why do you think the Sabres can't win? Even though they have a good core team from at Hockey News 101. Uh, thanks for the good question. <sighs> Buffalo, Buffalo. For me, it's not even um uh it's not even uh what was I saying? It's not even about the team, right? It's not even about the core or whatever, it's the culture. If you just look at that whole organization, it's just a dumpster fire. It's just a complete bleep show. It's just a bleep show. Like, from the top, the Pagulas have not done a great job. And, like, that organization is just full of inexperience. Kevin Adams, first-time GM. I don't even know if he was an assistant GM. They have, like, barely any scouts. They have Dom Granato, who's never coached at the NHL level as a head coach or anything like that. Matt Ellis, inexperience. Inexperience, right? So it starts from the top. Uh, that definitely plays a part into why they aren't successful. Um, when, when have they had a good coach? Who is their last good coach? Because the thing with the Sabres and what they keep doing is I notice they keep going for these out-of-the-box hires. Uh, they keep going Phil Housley, Ralph Kruger, uh, Tim Murray. No, these are the GM. My pad. Ralph Kruger, Phil Housley. Um, Dan Bilesma, like, you got to go with someone who you know is going to, you know, get you some wins. You know, John Tortorella, if he lets, like, go, send him to the Buffalo. John Tortorella, he will change the culture. Uh, Tortorella, uh, before his whole thing, Mike Babcock, um, I do think that ship has sailed, though. Uh, Bruce Boudreau, why not? Why not? Bruce Boudreaux. You gotta get a sure thing. You gotta get a good NHL coach with experience, but the Pagulas won't pony up for it. They won't. They won't, especially now that they have Ralph Kruger's uh, contract on the books for next year. They're gonna be paying him $3.75 million not to coach for the Buffalo Sabres. They probably won't pony up. They'll probably just stick with Don Gr or Don. Is it Don or Dom? I think it's Don Granado. We'll probably stick with him, and that's definitely gonna be the wrong move. Like this team is just an embarrassment. They just it's the culture. The culture is the main reason why. Like, they've got out, they went out and got good players. But not all those good players fail because the culture is bad. 
player development is bad. Like, it's all bad. It's all bad. They can't draft well. It's just all been bad. And I feel bad for Rasmus Dahlin and Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt. I feel bad for Casey Middlestaff. They didn't develop him right at all. They didn't do him right at all, right? I feel bad for him. I feel bad for all the players who have had to spend time in Buffalo. This is just a, I don't want to say it, poverty franchise, bro. Poverty franchise. They aren't a good team. They are not. Just be real. They aren't a good organization. I saw, I, I've been, like, every day, I go on Instagram, you see memes about the Sabres, blah, blah, blah. I just rack my brain. How can you fix this team? How can you fix this team? And it, I just keep coming back to you. It's, it's just, it's just such a big job. And I don't envy Kevin Adams at all because it starts from the top. It starts from the top. It's like, it's like the Coyotes, except this is way worse. Not in terms of the Coyotes have allegations and whatnot. That this is not as bad, but the culture is just, it's not good. And people underestimate how important team culture is uh, to your success. To your success. Um, Mike Babcock came to Toronto. He built a culture. He really transformed that team. And of course, you know, he made his mistakes. He had a share of mistakes, but he came and transformed the culture. He changed the culture along with Lou Lamorello and, and Brendan Shanahan. You know, culture is so, so important. So, so important. Look at all the winning teams. So important to have good chemistry, culture. Your organization has to be right. It has to be, you can't be having all these issues and, and whatnot, right? So, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. Sabres fans, I feel really bad for you. I feel just terrible for you. Uh, why they can't win that culture, they just inexperience at every they don't have good coaching they don't have good player development it's just everything is just bad in buffalo nothing is good in buffalo it's crazy because the bills are just super bowl contender complete polar opposite of saber the sabers if you're buffalo embrace that you suck that you're terrible you gotta tear it down you gotta start again it's not working you got to think about trading Eichel in the offseason. I don't want to do I don't. I don't think they should do it. Got to think about it, though. Um, thing is, if you do it, now you got to go in and get another Jack Eichel. So, uh, it's, it's bad. It's bad. The Pagoulas just have to get – they have to hire uh, Jim Rutherford-type president of hockey operations who will not let the Pagoulas uh, – he will not take any crap. He won't let the Pagoulas boss him around or anything, right? So. Uh, they need to get some experience in there like that. They need to do it. Um, I guess that will wrap up the show. Thank you for, if you made it this far, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, my co-host Ian should be back on Wednesday. So that will be fun. Hopefully we have some trades to talk about. Um, the Canadians will be returning to action. Uh, so, if you enjoyed, please follow us on all of our socials, on Twitter, at BTGHKYPOD, on TikTok, at Between the Glass Podcast, Instagram, 
Between the Glass Podcast. Check us out in all of our socials, YouTube, Between the Glass Podcast, Spotify, Between the Glass Podcast. I believe we're on Breaker and Deezer now, so if you can get your podcast there, uh, Between the Glass Podcast there as well. Uh, we're working on getting on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, for those of you that don't use Spotify or anything. Um, yeah, uh, please, please, I hope you enjoy. Please, I'm begging you to tune in on Wednesday. We're going to have some stuff to talk about. I guarantee it. Um, and yeah, we'll see you in the next one.